Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Tim Ballard, operative, speaks out. It is actually 7 o'clock in the morning Pacific time on Friday, September 22nd, 2023, as it's been actually a full week now since the church released their very controversial statement regarding Tim Ballard to Vice News, and it was reported. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting for the church to clarify this statement and to lay to rest all the questions that so many members have, so many faithful members have, about whether this is really from the church or whether it's from somebody else. So we're still waiting for that to happen. I just checked the church newsroom site before coming on the show, and it's not there. There is no announcement regarding this. There is apparently an open house going on in Japan, however, if you want to drop by. Now, today's episode is very, very special. We have an individual who was actually on a mission with Tim Ballard back in 2015. And this individual, we'll call him Trevor, has reached out to me, wants to tell his story about the one mission he went on down to Haiti and the Dominican Republic with Tim Ballard and also with Janet Russin, the psychic. He reached out to me when he heard that I was doing all these stories, wanted to tell his story. He has not apparently told his story either to law enforcement or to the press before this. This will be his first opportunity to share his story and your first opportunity to hear it. Trevor, let me bring you on the show. Here he is. Now, Trevor is going to be under this avatar. He did not want to have his face shown. Uh, there are concerns, and I think potentially legitimate concerns, about some kind of fallout from his coming on the show to share his story publicly, not necessarily from Tim Ballard or people at OUR, but from his many, many avid fans. So, Trevor, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> doing great, RFM. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I keep saying this evening, even though it's early in the morning, because this is going to air tonight. You had me convinced. That it was that it was actually evening. Yeah. yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> well, Trevor, now this is back in 2015, correct? I want to clarify for the audience that all the press that's been going on regarding Vice News and the Guardi Marty operation yep. that the psychic was taken on with Tim Ballard down to Haiti, that happened in February of 2016. And it's been very clear about this, but you've gone and checked on this. And the time you went with Tim Ballard was a year earlier in the spring of 2015. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that is correct. And I, I had to double check that because I, I was I was a little confused myself how long this Guardi project went on for, but it was some time, uh, years. And so, uh, and RFM, if you don't mind, I, I, I would like to just thank you, Mormon Discussions, and, and your audience for allowing me to be here and, and, and semi-anonymous. Hope I don't turn off too many people by doing that, but, but it is the only way I felt comfortable in doing something like this. Now, just to clarify, I have talked to Vice, I have talked to uh, Salt Lake Tribune, uh, but also from an anonymous nature. So, oh, was that recently? Uh, Vice News has been over the last couple of years. I uh, talked with them two different times, and Salt Lake Tribune was recent, was within the last few months. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you for correcting me on that. Yep. Now, my understanding is is that. Tim Ballard has gone down to try and find Gardy Marty. And once again, this was the little boy who's three years old when he was uh, kidnapped, apparently an American citizen born in Utah, 
I yep. think down in St. George from what I was reading. Yep. But he was down there in Haiti for whatever reason, and he gets picked up and whisked away some time ago. And this has been one of the main children that Tim Ballard has been having numerous expeditions down to Haiti in order to try and locate. So far, he has not had any luck. I think it's interesting that in 2016, February, the one that's been getting all the press, because they have some pictures of it that they got at Vice News, and they've shown those as well, and we'll show those as well. But uh, they took the psychic Janet Russin with them. It didn't work out, but we're going to go back to a year before that in 2015 to an earlier mission, which is going to have a similar modus operandi and a similar result, unfortunately. So can you tell us how it was that you got involved with Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I feel like with the climate as it is, I feel like I have to start by by saying that I, I absolutely uh, do not support human trafficking, especially child sex trafficking in any way, shape or form. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, and that's really what what got me excited to to take part in OUR from the beginning. Um, a good friend of mine at the begin at, at the time, this was 2014. He was working in the production studio that was producing the first film, The Abolitionists. I'm not sure if you remember that. Um, and reached out to see if I could help out with some motion graphics that they needed for the film. Which but let me just go ahead and say yep. that Abolitionist was an early movie that was about Tim Ballard and featured Tim Ballard. Correct. Got it. Thank you. Yep. And uh, so after we did the work for the film, we were invited to the premiere. And that was the first time that I met Tim. So after conversing a little bit after the movie, he asked me if I'd ever considered helping shoot undercover, seeing that I, I spoke Spanish. I also have a background in acting and production work as well. So, you know, I I went home, talked to my wife about it. And we also, also prayed about it. Of course, at the time I was, was a true believing member, you know. Um, and I remember right, and your fluency like, in Spanish comes from your mission, correct? It actually comes from, yes, uh, that was the beginning, but I, I also went back to my mission 10 years later and met my now wife. So I, uh, I, we speak uh, Spanish in the home. So that helped. Very good. Please continue. So, uh, so yeah, so I remember feeling the spirit tell me that I was going to be okay, you know, because I just felt like I was on the Lord's errand with this. I felt really good about about doing this, although nervous, right? I, I, I was very aware that I was going to be, you know, potentially putting my life on the line here. So my in harm's way. Yeah. Yep. 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 I, I didn't realize how much so until I got out there, but we'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, that's how I met Tim. That's how I got involved initially. Okay. So what happens next? So my job with the mission was basically to document these guys in action. Um, I didn't have much information prior to going down there, what this would look like. I knew I was going to be partnering up with, um, you know, some undercover cops, uh, both from Utah and from the Dominican Republic, but that was basically it. So, um, my job was basically to just make sure I was prepared to document anything and everything that was, uh, to go on down there. I, I had no say over where we went or, or what they decided to do, um, but I was just documenting the whole thing. So I had been equipped with, with about five or six cameras. I believe I had a chest mic uh, for each of us. I had a camera with, uh, that was hidden in my glasses, one in the button of my shirt. Uh, we had a couple GoPro cameras that we rigged the cars with. I think I had a DSLR and a drone as well. But uh, but yeah, so 
that was my job with the mission. And there was nothing clearly illegal uh, being done. And we, we were also under the guise of being undercover. So a lot of the stuff that you'll hear in this story, I just, I never felt compelled to like speak up against, but now I do look back um, with disgust at a lot of it here. So, but yeah, I was just trying to focus at the task at hand at the time. How did you get down there? You went to Haiti, correct? And the Dominican Republic. So our group was going down to do a Dominican Republic and Haiti mission. My my group was going to Dominican Republic and then to Santo Domingo was, was the original city we were all flying into. And then my team was to travel north up to Puerto Plata and stay in Dominican Republic while Tim and his team went to Haiti uh, for the Guardi mission. And the goal was, or the plan was, if everything went smoothly with the finding of Guardi, our team was then going to connect with Tim's team at the end, and it was going to be this big kind of celebratory thing. I get it. Okay, so was there any kind of intelligence that Tim had to find the location of Guardi Marty so he could rescue him? So, uh, yes and no. <laughs> On our way to, to the Dominican Republic. So as we were driving to the hotel... We're on a shuttle and I was sitting right next to this lady that I, I just assumed she was, you know, uh, part of OUR corporate or, or something. Um, her name was Janet, uh, Russin. Um, this is the psychic medium woman that, that you brought up earlier. Um, and she was apparently working for OUR and, uh, she told me a little bit about what she does, you know, and we kind of laughed about it a little bit like, oh, that's, that's so cool kind of thing. You know, um, uh, she, she really did feel though, I should say. RFM. She did feel, I mean, super nice person, but she did feel genuine in what she was doing. Um, she, I, you know, along with everybody there at the time, anyway, I felt like everybody was really, really believing in, in her, you know, um, I put some pictures of Janet Russin up on the screen. So our audience can see, is this the same woman you're talking about? That's correct. Yes. All right. So she, you know, on the right, she was telling me about this other case she had helped with. Um, she cracked this, you know, this case for this, for, for the police in some U.S. inner city. I don't really remember all the details now, but she was kind of somewhat trying to prep me, I think, for, for like what was to come now looking back, uh, because we showed up to the hotel and we, we all went directly to Tim's room uh, to kind of go over plan and strategy for the week. But before we get started, Tim, I remember Tim offers a prayer. Uh, kind of sets the scene a little bit uh, before Janet was to step in and do her thing. And then he kind of set the stage for her by introducing her, telling us a little bit about what she would be doing uh, and basically asking all of us. It kind of felt like, you know, when you go to the temple and it's too late to leave and then they ask you, you know, if anybody is not, you know, uh, <laughs> in accordance with with all of the uh you know, the, the going on, the goings on there, they can stand up and leave. Well, that was kind of the feeling with, with, with this situation. Tim asked if there were anybody that didn't have faith for this, um, for what was about to happen to go ahead and leave the room. There was about 15 of us, I would say in the room and nobody left. Um, and Janet proceeded to do her reading, I guess you could say. What does that look like? So she sat on the bed, everybody was around her. Um, and Tim went on to describe kind of the holes in their strategy, which from what I saw, all they were using was Google maps and then 
relying on Janet for the rest. I didn't see really any other intel there. There was a part where, um, you know, they, they were wanting to go out into uh, the boonies a bit into Haiti. And there, we didn't have much information from Google Maps. Uh, and so that's where we were leaning on Janet to sketch out the map for us. And not only that, but show us where uh, these other operatives were, where the bad guys were, basically, where we should go, where we shouldn't go, things to avoid and where Guardy was. Okay. Now, what is she doing in order to get you this information about where Guardy is? Did she come up with some kind of location? Yeah. I mean, she was apparently getting this from some somewhere. Um, uh, she did not mention at the time that it was an old dead prophet. I know that that's been circulating and I, 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 I don't, um, discredit that. I, I, I don't doubt that. Um, but it wasn't made aware to us that she was channeling anyone in particular, but that more she was just channeling more the spirit is kind of how I felt or, or, or Jesus or something. Um, what did and, she do? So she's sketching, you know, it's, it's kind of like in the movies, right. Where, you know, the, the medium there is, is there kind of, you know, talking to the dead relatives and the eyes are closed and the sketching is happening quickly and the pa pages are being torn off and another page is going. Okay. And what did she come up with? She came up with some maps, uh, some real, yeah, real basic kind of maps with some X's and some circles around them of, of, you know, of different routes. And like I said, different places to go and, and avoid. Um, I was a little skeptical at this point, to be honest, I, this, this is where, this is the first point where I started getting really nervous because, you know, it, although I was in a different different mind frame mindset at the time where I was kind of willing to go along with this stuff. I was waiting at the same time for them to like eventually pull out the Intel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but when the meeting adjourned and this was kind of our, our strategy, um, I remember going to my room and calling my wife and, and, and feeling really nervous about the mission. What did point. you tell her? I tried to explain the Janet situation um, and that I hadn't seen much other intel, um, that I felt like our team was going to be going the next day, kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Um, and I was just really hoping they had better intel for us where we're, we were going uh, in the D Dominican Republic because, you know, her whole reading had to do with Haiti. So I still was kind of crossing my fingers that they had a good plan for our, you know, our team in, in Puerto Plata. Okay. So let me just ask you this. She does not have a map in front of her, like a bird's eye view, a map of Haiti, and she's finding a place and a location on it. She's just sketching things. Yeah, basically, she's looking at Google Maps. I think we were looking at an iPad or a laptop, and she was basically just picking up where Google Maps kind of left off, so to speak. Okay. Yep. All right. So what are you thinking, by the way? You've alluded to it, but you're a good Mormon boy. You've been on a mission. I used to be a good Mormon boy. I still am pretty much, actually. But I know perfectly well what the LDS church, the attitude is about psychics. Right. I, I, You know, and I guess this goes back to the, you know, Tim Ballard at this point was so um, pedestaled in, 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 in my mind, right? Even, even at this point in 2015, um, you know, I believed the the you know 
the press that I had heard about Tim Ballard having an apostolic blessing from uh, M. Russell Ballard or the Brethren. I I felt. Where had you heard that? So I had just heard that through, I guess, the scuttlebutt of OUR and the the people that I was working with. I I don't know if I can pinpoint exactly who I heard that from or where I heard that from, but that was common knowledge for everybody that was that was going. We we would talk about it. It was thrown around. Um, it was obvious that there was a connection with Tim and the and the twelve. So I think knowing that um, made me. I, I I guess it put a lot of my doubts and fears to rest. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Yep. So now what happens next? So Tim and uh, by the way, I asked you a question and I started answering. Sorry about that. <laughs> but good. my understanding is that Tim goes with um, Tim Ballard goes with Janet Russon in their group to Haiti now to try and find Gardy Marty, which they do not find again, and they won't find him again the next year, and they've never found him. But you go somewhere else with a different group. Yes, so I'm now with these three uh, undercover cops headed to a town called Puerto Plata, as I I mentioned, while Tim and the other crew go to Haiti. So one um, one of the undercover cops is a local, to Dominican Republic. And the other two are from Utah. Neither of them speaks a lick of Spanish. Okay. And mm-hmm. I, I, I did not know that. And this, this is a surprise to me. It put me in a very awkward situation now because whereas before I felt like I was going to be kind of going along with kind of the situation and, and more focused on technical things and documenting the, the whole thing and basically just don't do anything stupid to, you know, get found out or whatever but now now you've got to be the leader yeah i'm kind of forced to take lead on communication many situations um especially in moments where i feel like my safety is in question Mm -hmm. um so yeah so maybe maybe i should preface with this prior to going i had been informed um that there is a strategy kind of a a door approach so to speak um as we approach these uh potential bad guys in the country so Okay, so if I'm yeah. understanding yeah. this now, and yeah. I know we've talked about this before, and I, uh, so I asked you this question because now you're going to try and find bad guys, right? Right. Without any intel. Right. Correct? Correct. You're just going around and asking people questions and talking to different people, people that look like they may, might be kind of sketchy, in order to see if you can find some bad guys who will sell you children. Correct? Correct. Uh, it. it an example of this, and it did feel very akin to the to the mission, having served a mission, um, was on our third day where we went out. Uh, we went out to the beach, and um, I'm expected to just kind of like follow their direction and do this approach in a convincing way. So, so I'm now out there. I, I mean, okay. So most people we talk to, RFM, like the first guy on the beach uh, that, that that we found. Um, and by the way, we just went to some random beach and we're looking for like sketchy, quote unquote, individuals. Right. And so we found this guy that looked like, you know, he was selling stuff. Right. Um, but he, along with most people that we would talk to, would just give us the worst look. You know, it, 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 like in the beginning, you know, he's offering up everything, you know, whatever well, you Trevor, guys want. You know, Trevor, can you tell us what it is that you said to these people? Sure. So. The concept was that we were going to basically set up a party for our boss that was going to be traveling into into town a couple months later. 
And so the mission really is in two parts. There's the crew that goes out to set up the party. That was that was this part of the mission. And then the second part that comes back for the party where these perpetrators actually bring children to the party and that's where they're taken down. That's the, the sting operation. So I was part of this initial uh, group where we were going out and trying to find these bad guys. And basically our approach was to, first of all, let them know about the party that's coming up and then inform them that our boss likes them young. Okay, so Trevor, say I'm the sketchy looking guy on the beach and you come up to me. What do you tell me? But translate it into English, please. Yeah. So I would just say something like, hey, man, we're looking to party. What do you got? You know, just something like that. Kind of get their reaction a little bit. And then uh, typically, you know, it's it, it they, they're seeing us as gringos that have money. So um, they're like, absolutely. What are you looking for? Drugs, women, you know, you name it. Uh, and you know, when I go into the part where I'm, you know, if, if you were to respond and, and, uh, and everything's good at that point. Um, but you know, when I get to the kids part, it was, it's always awkward, right? It's always, they always give us a really bad look. What do you um, say about the kids? Once again, I'm the sketchy guy. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm skirting around this just because it's uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable. Um, but we would, you know, we would say things like, Mas fresca, we would say things like sin pendejos. So these things mean like, you know, uh, more like fresh meat. Um, sin pendejos is, um, you know, no pubes. Um, things like that to really drive the point home that we're looking not just for underage, but we're looking for young, young, young kids. You're looking for prepubescent. Yeah. I think the strategy there, RFM, was to push, push that so far that we would get some, anyway, I'm not going to justify that, but yeah, that was, that was what was being thrown around. Can I ask, how did you feel when you were doing these door approaches or street contacting as we used to call it on my mission? So, um, you know, we would, how do I, how do I say this? You know, um, I would say that, uh, you know, in the back of my head, it was a weird feeling, right? Because, um, I was so relieved each time they would say no, because I could tell I was using kind of my cunning nature and acting skills to pull these people into a trap, basically, especially if these people had nothing to do with sex trafficking or, or human tra trafficking whatsoever. Um, and so anyway, but uh, later that day, we ended up finding somebody uh, that was willing to to help us find some some kids. Where did you um, find that person? Same, same beach. Um, it was after mentioning the financial aspect to him. He, he talked to us a little bit more. What did you say about the financial aspect? I was never involved in those conversations. Um, that was something that typically the, um, the DR undercover guy would start getting into him into mm -hmm. with them. Uh, I was there for a couple of the conversations, um, but I don't remember what kind of money we're talking about. And when you say DR, that stands for Dominican Republic. Sorry, yes. Yep, You're referring yep. to the undercover uh, cop who was from there, right? From there, yep. So, of yep. course, he's fluent. Correct, yes. All right. But your understanding is, is that money was being offered and that a lot of people there in the Dominican Republic um, live in poverty and would do mm -hmm. pretty much anything they could to get their hands on some 
American dollars. Now you said the amount that was being offered was huge, right? Especially for a person down there. Absolutely. This is this is money that uh, that would most likely cover their living for years. You know, and and we're talking about people that can't even put money or, or food on the table today. You know what I mean? So, not to justify any actions, but this, you know, we were dealing with a, a very desperate uh, crowd here, and and it was again trying not to make too many comparisons to the mission, but you know, I I, I did serve in Bolivia, and you know, there is there is a an advantage um, to being American an American in talking to you know, in talking to people, you know, from Latin America, they, they obviously see not just the money, but the opportunity for hope, you know, for their family, um, you know, relationship, all of that kind of stuff. And I, I remember as this first guy was giving in to the convincing and, and everything I, in my, in the back of my mind, I was just, I was like, please don't like, don't fall for this. Don't do this. You know, as I'm there with these guys who are pushing and, and convincing them, you know? And so, so yeah, so is that's that your concern that you raised when you mentioned the word entrapment, that you're concerned that you might be talking to somebody who's never done this before, who's not involved in this. Correct. All of a sudden now they're approached by some strangers, some of them from America. They've got a lot of money that could set them up for years, uh, take care of their problems, put food on the table for them, possibly their family, and that they might, in order to get that money, go out and do something they would not have done otherwise, which is technically the definition of entrapment. I think you just said it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you get this one guy, he goes along with it in spite of what your voice is saying in the back of your head, not to what happens and what does he say? And what happens from there? This is the man that ended up, you know, we, we were able to get a lot of referrals that, you know, it, it, it worked just like that, right? Cold contacting. And then if they were, you know, excited to help out, or if they weren't excited to help out, we would always drive to get referrals from these people. So from, from that individual, along with the other individual that we talked to that wasn't interested, we got, we got some, some, some leads and, and, and we worked those leads throughout the week. I don't know if we want to get there yet, but, but yeah, um, I believe this individual was the individual that ended up leading us into the red light district at the end of the, uh, the trip that I was telling you a little bit about. Yeah. Yes. Is there anything else that happened that you want to tell us about before you get to the red light district? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think rewinding just a little bit, you know, to give everybody an, just an idea of our first strategy, right. When we touched down in, in Puerto Plata. So we arrived to Puerto Plata and they decided to go directly to a strip club, uh, called Cristal. I believe that's a detail I could be off on, but, um, but we went in and this is my first time at a strip club, mind you, a uh, true believing member of the church at 35. I hadn't even touched alcohol in my life at this point. We walk in there. There's maybe 15 or 20 women just standing at the entrance, topless. Um, these undercover dudes just kind of waltz in, immediately having the time of their lives. I mean, I'm noticing they're all much more familiar and accustomed to this than I was. But then again, we were all acting, Right. As if, as if we were enjoying it. Right. But like none of us were actually enjoying it. Of course. Right. That was the, right. you got to act like the bad guys. So the right, bad right. guys will, uh, trust you. Of course. And I felt at this time, like I was, 
in a poorly cast movie and I was about to be fired because I I'm the only one in the room that looks obviously like not in the right place like not a bad guy in fact seeing that it was my first attempt to at beer I could hardly get any of it down and one of the the undercover cops had to like secretly drink mine so I don't know why that was so important but anyway we were there to gather information so we go on to select a girl each to get a lap dance with since this is obviously the best way to interrogate you know random women who aren't even sus suspects in anything but I digress um after a few lap dances with these women a uh, few right they uh, we each got a dancer um and the goal was to well number one just kind of fit in you know not look awkward um uh, but obviously to use this time to interrogate these women by just kind of having more you know kind of casual conversations with them okay uh after a few lap dances um the guys felt that they had the information they needed supposedly but one of the undercover cops thought he would bring his girl upstairs before we left and this is where they happen to bring girls up to have sex um but he felt like it was more of a private area to do a little bit deeper uh, interrogation uh, so he took her upstairs and, uh, and then we, we left, but they did not unfortunately end up gathering any useful Intel from that club. Okay. So no Intel. Is this, uh, the place where the story comes about? Remember the mission? Yep. 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 As we're, uh, as we're getting the lap dance there, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the guys and, you know, and, and one of the, uh, one of the cops looks over and just tells me to remember the mission. What did he mean by that? I think he was forgetting the mission a little bit. Um, it was very obvious, very obvious to me. Um, okay, that he was forgetting the mission? Yeah, yep. And this okay. was this was night one. Um, by the way, how is that obvious to you? I have to ask the question. I apologize. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I saw them starting to uh, to get a little buzzed on uh, on the drinking. Um, they were a few beers in at this point. Um, uh, I saw them having a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, the questions, um, were brief in the beginning and then it was just kind of a lot of messing around. Got it. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Please continue with your story. Well, you know, there's, there's another example of a nightclub situation where I got, I got pretty scared actually this was the the third night we, we were out there we drove because that first you know strip club proved to be kind of a fail for us uh they they decided to drive into the back alleyways of this town we found we found a smaller strip club as we pulled up i mean this is a total hole in the wall type place right uh we could see a couple haitian dudes standing out front just really tall one with a gun hanging out of the back of his pants we're pulling up and basically like a black escalade Okay. One questionable Dominican and three gringos jump out of this car. In this moment, I had this harsh reality check that I had microphones and a bunch it, like on the chest of each of us. Like all they would have to do is just rip open our shirts. We have all this filming gear in the car. I also had this stark realization that I could very well die in this moment and that I didn't even plan. And I was now realizing they had zero intel on. And so anyway, we threw them our kind of pitch. Um, but everyone was pretty, I felt like everyone was pretty kind of messed up on drugs or alcohol at, at this point where we were at. So 
they just kind of looked at us weird. And um, then some younger girls, maybe looked 19, 20, showed up to entertain us a little bit. Uh, but when they found out they were not underage, um, they kept drilling for underage kids, you know, mas fresca, uh, you know, more or younger. Uh, the manager lady of the club would just like straight up turn us down and in, in fact ended up kind of kicking us out. But as we were leaving, I guess the cops had a further conversation involving money with the woman um, who was finally convinced to give a referral of someone that might be interested. And that and that ended up being a mother that sh and she had no part with human trafficking or child abuse prior to this that I saw or that we saw anyway. But she ended up bringing her own or signing her own children up for for this party. Oh, my gosh. How much was she getting paid? Again, I don't know. The amount had to have been you know, enticing enough. Right. So that's, how did that make you feel? You know, that's where I started to see kind of what I would now term as entrapment. Um, I just didn't know how to kind of process it at the time. I mean, it's you know, entrapment on the one hand, but it can also be creating new victims. That's right. That's right. Um, again, preying on the most desperate, the C dollar signs opportunity of hope for not only a brighter future, but honestly for survival. Right. So now this mission, from what I understood, and after this mission, needless to say, I, I wanted nothing to do with OUR ever again. So I turned over my footage and everything, which which was the the contract. And I really didn't want much to do <laughs> with with OUR um, at, at this point. However, I still had a lot of deconstructing to do about it. You know, now now it's been eight years. Um, and I, I got to say, it's especially with all, all that's coming out now. Um, there's still deconstructing going on on on, on the daily, but uh, apparently we were able to save upwards of 30 children based on uh, my part of the mission, right? Um, but I would say the vast majority was generated by us and brought into the industry, uh, including those that were charged or sent to jail. So, mm, okay. Now I understand from talking with you that the film. The pictures, everything you took was turned over to OUR pursuant to the contract. And there was also some scrubbing that they wanted you to do. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so they didn't make this mandatory. However, um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was encouraged that, that we didn't talk about the mission for our own safety's sake. And that included eliminating any text messages or any communication that we had, um, in country and leading up to the mission. So, so I had scrubbed a lot of the information that I had in regards to the communication with, with OUR. However, they had all of the content that I created. So they've got everything, I guess, on me and I have nothing on them kind of situation. <laughs> but, um, but that's, I guess, um, why, why I've been wanting to tell my story because it's, it's all I've got. Well, you did go back and find out that, yes, you had done according to the rules or at least what you were asked to do and scrubbed all that text, all those emails. But you did find some documents related to this, related to OUR, I should say, that I think are afterward. Let's put some of those up. Would you please describe what these are very quickly? Sure. So this is an invoice. Uh, yeah, for the uh, for the trip, uh, looking at um, the price I did this for. Wow. They, uh, <laughs> I, 
I need to rethink that next time. But uh, but no, uh, these are the invoices for um, for both the initial uh, on the right there. That's that's the invoice for the the original uh, film, The Abolitionists, uh, for the animated graphics that we did for them. And then on the left, this is the invoice that I sent for the work that I did uh, documenting out in Dominican Republic. Okay, well, that is dated 2-9-15. Yes. Yep. So it was before 2-9-15 that you went to the Dominican Republic? Correct. Got it. How much? It was still 2015, though, so probably January? January 28th, 2015, until February 3rd. We've got the dates now. Very good. Thank you yep. for that. Yep, yep. By the way, this also establishes something that I think has been alleged, which is that Janet Russin was not just going along on that one trip in February of 2016. She was on this trip as well. Correct. So the next slide, what's that? These are some factoid fixes. These are just some email uh, conversation that I had with the production company uh, in creating the animated graphics for the first film. Okay, and let's see, what was this? Oh, yep, yep. This was, uh, yeah, this was just communication in sending the invoice. It looks like uh, an email that I might send if somebody was behind payment. Oh, here we go. Sorry about that. Them. Sorry about that. Yes, yes. Yeah, now, yeah. And this was funny, right? Because as I was pulling these up, I actually remember that, uh, <laughs> that it was kind of difficult getting paid from these guys. Too. Well, it's dated March 9th, 2015. Apparently you haven't been paid yet. And it says, Hey, blank. Yeah. And the blank is somebody with OUR, correct? Or the production company that was working with OUR. Okay. I hope things are going great. I'm sad. I'm unable to be with you guys this month. You guys are constantly in our prayers and I'm so anxious to hear any news about Guardi or the second half of my mission. Yep. Okay. Now to the point. Anyway, just wondering if I can get an ETA on payment for the OUR shoot. The invoice is 30 days past due today, and I haven't seen anything yet. I've reattached here. Let me know when you can. Thanks. Right. So it even references the OUR shoot. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like I was still in, uh, in good spirits at this point. Let me see if there's something else here. Yes, there is. What is this slide? Oh, this is... This is uh... Uh, confirmation for kind of a VIP premiere uh, to the original uh, abolitionist film with Tim, where I met Tim. Okay. And that was, it looks, there's Tuesday, January 20th, 2015 is the date on the private screening here. Yes. Yes. So that all happened rather quickly, didn't it? It did. All right. Now, I'm not sure if there's anything else. Let me check here. Nope. That was it. So let me take those off the screen put you back up on the screen and we're closing now, but I want to give you a chance to say anything else you want to say, either how this has impacted your life or anything else that happened during your mission that, and by that, I mean the operation right. underground mission right. that you want to tell our audience. Well, maybe I'll just kind of bring it full circle here. I, I mentioned I was, I was going to get to the red light district. Um, and then maybe we can bring it back to Janet as I just kind of tie this up with a bow. But my, my last day there was uh, probably the most traumatic. I mean, the whole experience was 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 fairly traumatic. But um, but we were led to this small room uh, in in this apparent red light district um, in Puerto Plata, where we were introduced. And this was after going through several referrals. And this was the the last night, I believe, of of the trip, uh, where we were now being introduced 
to some underage girls who told us they were willing to do anything. Um, they were desensitized at this point. I remember feeling, well, first I remember feeling very confused by the fact that we had to be in this room with these underage girls. I wasn't sure why an audition was, was quite necessary, but after hearing them talk, I obviously I felt completely heartbroken, um, that they're in this situation in the moment. I felt, I felt helpless really, because I wasn't convinced at this point that what we were doing was going to help. But I, I, I still had some hope, you know, that, that, you know, by, by them getting into the OUR system, they would get the support they need to kind of, you know, bring them out of that life, maybe with some aftercare, some therapy, um, or whatever. Cause I, I, I was under the impression that OUR was not only pulling these children, uh, in, in a method of catching the bad guys, but they also had full aftercare support on the ready for them, um, which I learned later um, was not so much the case. Um, but to bring this full circle with with uh, Tim and the other crew, um, they we 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 were just about to join up with them on this last day. Uh, they were closing in, you know, on on where Guardy was 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 going to be. They felt like they were getting extremely close uh, to where they were holding him. But at the last minute, they lost him again. And yeah, like you mentioned before, RFM, and for those of you that, that have read the story, you'll know that he was never found. Um, although this this went on for years, this this same, same, not only the same search, but the same strategy, apparently, um, with, with, with using Janet. So yes, um, so it, it, you know, it has, it has been, um, it's, been well, Trevor, Trevor, don't leave me yep. hanging. What happened? You've got <laughs> these underage girls in this room. It's the last night of the mission. What yep. happens? So we end up, uh, we end up getting the information um, of uh, the individuals that were bringing us to these these girls, and and we left. Luckily, luckily there was, um, you know, nothing, nothing that happened with the girls uh, at that point. We just we just left. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely an eye opening experience. Um, one that's caused me to reflect many a time <laughs> on on this. But more than anything, it's it's forced me, I think, to learn what effective um, human trafficking, child, you know, sex abuse, tra tra sex trafficking looks like. Um, and so, you know, today, looking back eight years later, um, compared to thirty days after. <laughs> You know, um, I, I definitely, you know, with the information that I have and being able to deconstruct it a little bit, I've, I've been able to put it together in my mind, but, um, but yeah, that first, especially the first few weeks, few months getting home, I, I just remember being so confused. I, I didn't, I knew I didn't want to be a part of that again, but I thought that my mission, like the one that I went on, I thought it was unique. You know, I thought that mine maybe was just a little messy you know, a little sticky, uh, you know, may maybe they have better, you know, intel and strategy and other missions. But as I've heard other people's stories that, you know, they're similar to mine, I'm finding mine kind of falls right in line with theirs, which was unfortunate to, uh, to find out. So, mm. so maybe yours wasn't the only one that, that was this disorganized, if I can use that expression. Yes. Yes. Completely unorganized, un, un, an unprepared um, mission. Yeah. Where and, 
And they did reach out to you afterward to ask if you'd come along on another mission, correct? Correct. That was a hard no. That was a hard, hard no, no from you. Yep, yep. Hard pass. Right. <laughs> well, I think is that everything you have to say? Because I'm about ready to close out, Trevor, if you're not. I think that's I think that's the story. So no, I just really appreciate you having me on again, RFM. Well, thank you, Trevor, for coming on and sharing your story with everyone. I want to remind everybody that if you like the show, please click like and also hit the subscribe button, please. It helps with the algorithms and helps this become more noticeable and gets this message out to more people. That, well, that's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air.